It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cami Carlisle. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Community Conversations. I'm Cami Carlisle, and today we're speaking with Joshua Howell, Marketing Director for Generations Hospice Care in Missouri Valley, Iowa. Welcome. How goes it? Hey, it goes. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So before we get too much into Generations uh, Health Hospice Care, tell us about yourself. How did you even get to be here? What's your story? Uh, Well, uh, my name's Joshua. I uh, was born and raised here around Omaha area. Um, Went into the military for four years. When I came out, uh, I was initially going into the legal field and uh decided to uh, uh switch paths and go into nonprofit marketing uh and I've pretty much spent the last 5 or 6 years in different nonprofits around the area and right. um you know last year I was looking for a job change and my father passed away um right. unexpectedly spent his last 2 weeks on hospice care and then literally two, three weeks later, this uh, marketing director position came open for a hospice agency. Um, they're not a nonprofit, but they're a hospice. And, uh, you know, marketing, you you uh, look for a cause that you believe in and something that you can push and and, and you want to, you know, get the word out there. And mm-hmm. I felt called to, 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 do, to do that. So now I'm the hospice director for Generations Hospice Care. I've been there for a little over a year now, and it's a very fulfilling job. Excellent. Well, I'm very sorry about your dad. And it seems that perhaps that was a little serendipitous to put you where you are now. So in an odd way, here we are. Here we are. Well, I'm glad you're here. So it's uh, November's Hospice and Palliative Care Month. That's correct. And really, first and foremost, thank you and the crew for all that you do, because I know this is not an easy job at times. So how do you all celebrate over there for this month? Is there a celebration that you participate in or (laughs) Well, uh, you know, we, we, we don't really have a celebration per se on the books. I think it just, uh, reminds us of the impact that we, that we have on the community and the work that we do. Um, we actually just recently last weekend had our annual memorial service. And that's when we invite the families of the patients that we've lost over the last year to come for a candlelight vigil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's pretty much a celebration. We have it every, every November, uh, during this month. Um, it's a, it's a commemorative time. It's a celebration time. It's everybody come together and it's, it's a visual, uh, reminder of the impact that we have. And, um, we don't always get all the families to come together, but there's usually a pretty good turnout. And there was mm-hmm. this year. And, um, it's just neat to reconnect with those families and, and, uh, check in on them and see how they're doing and, and uh yeah that that that's our celebration. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to do it. So how long have y'all been around? We've been around since 2011. So a mm-hmm. uh, little over a decade. Um it originated by a, a pretty prominent family um in Missouri Valley, the Shear family. Mm-hmm. They um had a couple of nursing homes and this uh hospice care um, under their watch. And, uh, two years ago, just under two years ago, they decided to move out of that field and retire. And Azria Health took over the nursing homes and then also took over generations, uh, hospice care. So we're, we're new to the Azria family, but we've, we've been around for a while and we, we serve five counties in Western Iowa and, 
um, where uh, we've we we've made it a point to to be a part of the families in our communities, and especially some of our RN nurses that have been around for a while, they know they know everybody. So you go into any room and oh hey, you're so and so's daughter or 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 you're so and so's aunt and and uh they connect really well and and that's important to us to have that fam- family and familiar connection with the community. Absolutely. So what exactly is hospice care in a nutshell? So hospice care uh you know, it's definitely a taboo topic. It's something that a lot of people, including myself, uh, just over a year ago, didn't really know much about. It's, it's, I think the majority, uh, if they were to be put on the spot and guess, it would be something where, you know, you are unable to survive your injuries or you're, you're on death's doorstep and, uh, your last couple hours, you go into hospice care and, and they take care of you to, to get through. Uh, to the next, uh, to the next, wherever you're going. And, and that is not really what hospice care is, or at least it's not what hospice care should be considered. Hospice care is, is, um, when you have talked to your doctor, um, and you have a, uh, life limiting illness, a, a terminal illness that likely within six months you will pass. Okay. At that point, you qualify for hospice. You don't have to wait till the last. 24 hours or the last week of your life. It's, it's the last six months. As soon as your doctor gives you that prognosis of less than six months, um, and a hospice medical director, um, can sign off on that, then you are qualified for hospice. And basically it's, um, basically the hospice care team is to make sure that you live those final days, weeks, months, to the best of, of your ability. We manage your pain. Um, we, we help the caregivers so that you can spend that time to cherish with your family, um, mm-hmm. and, and not have to keep on going back into the hospital and keep on, um, you know, stretching for that little extra time that might be more painful than it needs to be because we're mm-hmm. not, you know, because you're not focusing on, on the right things. So hospice care is there to ensure that your last, Moments on this earth, your end of life journey of how we, we call it is just as important as your birth, as your beginning of life. It's, it's dignity and compassion and managing your pain so that you can spend that time with your family. Yes, absolutely. So I know there's different levels of hospice, right? So what, <sighs> what are they and how is that decided? Is that decided on the person's condition or their ailment or how does that all get decided? What sure. I, I mean, there's different there's different types of hospice care. Once you get to that six month mark, it's it's all hospice. It's all a hundred percent covered under Medicare Part A. Uh, most Medicaid and commercial insurance plans also cover hospice. But basically, once you're in the hospice, sure, there's there's it just depends on what your needs are. So there's routine hospice care. Um, that's probably the most common level of hospice. Um, uh, an individual has elected to receive hospice care at their residence. So it's usually at their home or wherever okay. they call home. Hospice care can be if, if you're living in the home and and you're capable of, of continuing to live there, we will serve hospice at your home. If you're oh. at a skilled nursing center or an assisted living center, we can serve hospice there. Basically, wherever you call home, in some cases, we can serve hospice in the in the uh, hospital 
Um, but it's usually wherever your your home is. So routine mm-hmm. hospice care is one level. Continuing uh, continuous home care is another level. Uh, this is eight to twenty four hours a day managing pain um, and your acute medical symptoms. Um, inpatient respite care is available. That's a temporary relief uh, to the patient's primary caregiver. So if you're at home and your daughter or your son or your spouse. Um, has been taking care of you and, and they just need a break and, and they, mm-hmm. they always need a break. And right. we like to go to caregiver support groups to remind them that they need a break, uh, because caregiver burnout is a, is a major thing. So respite care can, can, uh, be provided in a hospital and a hospice facility in a long-term care facility. Um, and that just gives that caregiver a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also general inpatient care and that's, um, pain control and acute sim- uh, symptom management uh when it's when it's really needed and that's usually at the at the hospital uh okay. that we come in and and we provide that service there but it's all covered under hospice and it's really uh it's uh yeah once you get that 6 months um then that's when it starts got it so there is i didn't know this but hospice is available for 24 hours around the clock if needed so it's we are available 24 hours uh to help but no hospice agency will like have somebody in your home for 24 hours okay. or or be by your bedside for 24 hours that's not that's not hospice care now the closer you are to passing you will get more attention mm-hmm. um but you know some of our hospice care patients we see once a week or a couple times a week um if they are near passing we'll see them a couple times a day and that respite care can be so many hours of that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, if, for example, if they're in the home and, and their spouse needs some respite care, we don't necessarily have a person that's going to move into that home for 24 hours, but we have, we have connections with, um, skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities in the area that will check them in for a weekend, and then we will assist with that uh, facility staff to make sure there's care 24-7. Got it. I guess I'm asking because I do have somebody I know, an older gentleman, and he just, he was in a terrible car crash, right? Broke everything in his body in his 80s, and the family's trying to figure out what are we going to do with him? So I'm just curious. So with somebody like that that doesn't really have any caretakers, it would kind of be your team plus other teams kind of helping. Is that correct? Sure. And if they don't necessarily qualify for hospice care, as in they're, you know, they don't have a six month, uh, prognosis of, mm-hmm. of, of likely passing, then there are home agencies as well. Home care, oh. you know, uh, when they're not necessarily, um, uh, uh, working on their end of life journey, then home care patient or home care advocates will come in and, and to, and help with that. We also have palliative care. And that is uh, kind of the step before hospice. Hospice is when you stop pursuing the cur- uh, curative intent and uh, palliative care is when you're still kind of working on curing the ailment. Okay, good. I'm, brought, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask, so say like somebody is fighting a battle with cancer, does the palliative care then stop if it's a six-month diagnosis or if they haven't reached that yet, do they still get chemo and radiation or? So it's, it it depends on um it depends on what the patient and the family wants to do if they want to continue chemo uh and 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 the things they're trying to do to get rid of that cancer that would be more palliative care 
uh, that would not be hospice care. Hospice care kicks in when you've decided you're no longer going to continue to go after that chemo. You're not going to continue to force your body to try to, to try to fix itself no matter how painful it is. So, um, uh, hospice care is comfort care without the curative intent. The patient no longer has the options or no longer wants to pursue that treatment because of the side effects of the body and, and whatnot. It's, you know, chemo is very mm-hmm. hard on the body. It's not fun. It's very mm-hmm. aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really ravages the body of healthy cells. And sometimes that's just not the, uh, the comfortable option. So if they mm-hmm. wanted to go into hospice care, we'll manage their pain, but they wouldn't continue to go to chemo, uh, to try to cure their ailment. Got it. That makes total sense. Thank you. Okay. So on a hospice team, there's nurses, but who else is part of that hospice team? Uh, hospice team is, is a lot of people. It's, it's a lot of different people. First of all, it includes the family and whoever the current caregiver is. You know, if, if that's the, like I said, the, 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 the children, the, um, siblings, the spouse, whoever is, currently taking care of this person they're part of the hospice team we need to collaborate with them um so that we make sure that their needs are being met when we bring on a patient into hospice or even when they're just considering hospice we don't just meet with the patient we meet with their family um Mm -hmm. if they're in a nursing home we meet with the team that's currently caring for them if they are connected to a primary care provider we meet with their doctor um, all those people, the nurses, the therapists, um, our hospice aides and volunteers. We have a medical director on staff who is geriatric and hospice certified. Um, so they're part of the team. Uh, we have counselors, we have social workers, we have bereavement specialists, we have chaplains. There's a lot of people that go into this. It's a collaborative effort. Um, right. And we work with whoever is currently looking after so that there's a smooth transition. And, um, you know, a lot of folks already have their primary care provider. They've been with that doctor for years mm-hmm. and that doctor has been caring for them for years and they don't necessarily want to give them up. Uh, they want to make sure that those patients are still being taken care of. So we work with them. It's it's you can stick with your doctor or in our case, because we have a medical director, you can come on and, and, and be under that medical director, or we can do both. You know, it doesn't have to be, you have to let go of whoever is currently taking care of you just to go into hospice care. So yeah. it's a collaborative effort, a lot of people involved and the more people, the better. Yeah, I can see that. So I guess I'm wondering as far as decisions go, so is that still up to the patient or the family or ultimately, who is that up to? Any kind so, of decisions in their care? Yeah, we we lay everything out on the table when we talk to a patient and their family about what to expect when going into hospice, about uh, where the money comes from, about where the supplies come from. and uh, But one of the things we make sure to let them know is that everything is still in their control. If they want to get off hospice, uh, a, a day into it, a week into it, three weeks into it, they have that ability. Their rights don't get taken away. Their power doesn't get taken away. We are there to to treat their pain and to educate and take care of the family while we're doing that. But if it comes down to it and they're just like, we want to get off hospice, then we are there to help you get off hospice. Okay. So you did mention some support services for families. What kind mm-hmm. of support services and what does that look like? Well, like I said, we have uh, 
we have other people than just nurses on staff. We have chaplains, we have bereavement uh, uh, specialists, we have counselors. Those aren't just for the patients. Those are also for the family. That's why we like to meet with the family whenever we're talking to a patient. Um, the more the merrier, you know, sometimes they'll say, hey, our daughter's in town, but our son is in another state. And we'll say, well, can your son come in or can your can your son be a part of a Zoom call or something like that? Because we want them on board sure. um, and we want to look after them. So we are caring for both the patient and the family while the patient is in our services. And then when that day finally does come, when that patient passes, we still look after that family for about 13 months after the fact. Our oh, counselors wonderful. and our bereavement specialists continue to reach out to them, to check in on them, to have meetings with them. And then we have events like that memorial event where we ask them to come back if they can and mm-hmm. so that we can look into them and, and check in on them. And if they need more care after that 13 weeks and our counselors can continue to check in on them, they will. Otherwise, we have connections within our communities to give them further uh, assistance and, and therapy after the fact, but, you know, it doesn't stop the day the patient passes. It, it continues on. And, and we believe that their family needs to be taken care of and looked after. And, uh, we can, we continue to do that, um, as much as we can. I love that because it seems like anytime there's a death, there's so much, you know, action around that death date and then yep. maybe the next week and then everybody just disappears, right? Because life has to go on. But right. I love that you still check on them because grief sometimes takes a long time to work through. So that is excellent. So besides that service, um, do you also help with like wills and estate plans and all that stuff or? So we don't necessarily have folks on our staff that help with that. Most hospices don't. Um, however, we do make it a point um, to have connections in the community. You know, part of my job is not only to go into uh, skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities, but also senior centers and, and networking groups that help. So we have a list of attorneys that can help. We have other contacts of the community that can answer those questions. We also have some handouts with some links to, Hey, this is where you need to go to answer these type of questions. Uh, we don't get involved in that because that's not our, it's not our field. And, uh, yeah. but we definitely want to point people in the right direction. And that's also part of, you know, all of this is, is why we really stress that six months. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people wait till it's too late and, you know, um, then all of a sudden everything's coming at you. You know, you're right. worrying about, oh my gosh, when, when are they going to pass? And then when do I need to set up the, uh, the wills and when do I need to do the funeral and everything? Mm-hmm. That's six months. Um, anytime within that time period is, is best to start hospice care because then we can make that connection with the family. We can ask them what they need help with and we can, form those those bonds and and our our nursing staff and our our counselors really do form those bonds uh especially in in these small communities that we work with and they do care for the family and the longer that they have to really get to know the family and the patient the more we can take care of them and and honestly the more benefit the family and the patient gets overall sure that makes absolute sense so today is veterans day now did you tell me at the beginning that you were in the armed services Yes, I was in the Air Force for four years. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for serving. And I know that you've got veterans on staff and you take care of veterans. Tell me what that looks like and what that's all about over there. Yeah, so we are we are honored to have veterans on our staff. Um, Not just myself. We have two chaplains uh, that are that were veterans. One was a lieutenant colonel. 
uh, in the Air Force. One was a uh, staff sergeant in the Marines. And then our medical director, uh, Dr. Uh, Wester, she was a physician within the Air Force uh, and she was a major uh, in the Air Force. And so that's a big deal to us to have veteran um, representation on our staff. Um, also for the fact that we, uh, this year we fought really hard to get certified as a community partner with the Veterans Affairs, uh, department. So, you know, uh, if you are a veteran and you're going to the VA for your services, um, they are really picky about who they suggest. If they can't take care of you there for a certain thing, they have a very, um, a uh, short list of folks that they vetted within the community that they can suggest. And so the fact that we are on that list is a big deal for us. We had to go through some hoops to get that. Um, so if a person is in, is going, for example, to the Omaha VA and they have determined that hospice care is needed, they can look us up through the system or the, the physician can look us up and see that we're a partner and then they can, um, connect through us through the VA instead of having to do it on their own. Um, so that's a big deal for us. We want to take care of the veterans in our community. I try to keep in contact with all the VSOs and, and our five counties and just to make sure that their veterans are taken care of. And especially on Veterans Day like this, this is a, it's a big deal for us. And we're very proud to have that uh, partnership. Yes. And thank you for doing that. I just, it's, it just seems like we have not taken such great care of our veterans. And it's nice to know that you all will. So th- thank you for doing that. Okay. So we have about five minutes left. So tell me what you think the future of hospice looks like. Any, any big differences coming down? What do you think? Well, honestly, you know, hospice is this thing that's been around for a very long time, but a lot of people you know, don't know about it as much as they should. You know, in, in 1979, the National Hospice Organization was established. And in 1982, Congress passed a provision to create the Medicare hospice benefit. So it's been around for, you know, almost half a century and mm-hmm. still a lot of people don't know about it or they have misconceptions about it. Right. Um, and, you know, I, that's just that's just normal. You, if, if that's not something that you're actively pursuing information on, then you're just not going to know it. And a lot of people like me uh, would probably think that that's just something you do when somebody is is dying and they they need some help for those last couple hours. And so our goal, at least at Generations Hospice Care, is to continue to get out there in the community, continue to push um, the message about the benefits, about the need for hospice care. I mean, just think about all the things that you do for birth in the family, all the preparation, all the importance, all the celebration around that event. The end of life should be just as cared for and just as filled with dignity and compassion and love and care as the beginning of life. And so um, getting out there, I, you know, if if I don't have an appointment at a at a facility, I'm in the nursing homes, I'm in the senior centers, I'm in the hospitals, I'm in the caregiver groups, talking to people about hospice, about it's not something to be afraid of, it's not something to worry about, it's not a taboo topic, it's about helping your loved one live their best life and ha- and helping them in their final moments to cherish the time that they have with you instead of worrying about their pain and just trying to make it to the next day. And so... I think the future of hospice is is growing. Uh, the statistics uh, are out there. Um, there's a lot more people choosing hospice um, every year, and uh, that just means the message is getting out there. So we're going to keep pushing it. 
Good. So tell me this, does Medicare have a limit to how long they'll pay for hospice? Is there a set limit or is it just as long as needed? You just have to keep on qualifying. So, okay. uh, you know, when, when somebody comes on to our care, it's not just, okay, you're here for us for six uh, months and then that's it. We have to basically our IDG team, uh, goes over there. It's IDG stands for interdisciplinary group. They have to review, uh, and revise and document the individual plans for every single one of our patients at least every two weeks. And that is in connection with either our medical director or whoever their med- uh, medical provider is. And so we have to do that every two weeks. And if a person is on their, you know, if they're actually improving, which a lot of people do improve under hospice care because you get that much more attention, if they are no longer uh, six months out from passing, they actually graduate off hospice. And we ah. encourage them to do that. Uh, we're not there to just keep them on uh, uh, just eternally, but we do have some folks that have stayed on hospice for one, two years. Uh, uh, I think we just had one that, that passed that was about two years and two months. And, and that's not because we, you know, melt every penny we could from Medicare, but it's because they continually needed more, ha- uh, more help, but mm-hmm. hospice care kept them going, um, and kept them going without pain. So it really is, there is no cutoff for what Medicare pays for in terms of time. So long as you continue to qualify for hospice care and we make sure that we cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's and, and, uh, and make sure that the the patient and that family is getting that maximum benefit. That's amazing. And I, I asked because my grandfather went into hospice and he was not going to go. So he mm-hmm. was there for a year. And right. it does make sense because you're getting a lot more care and attention. So I love that. Well, I yeah. really am really grateful that you all are there and doing this hard and much needed work. And again, thank you for serving and happy Veterans Day to all. And thank you for taking care of everybody. This is like you said, you should just have as much celebration and dignity, just like when you were born is when you mm-hmm. leave this planet. So thank you again. And thanks for joining us. This was Josh from Generations Hospice Care over in Missouri Valley, Iowa. And if you have any questions, what is a good website or a phone number for you? So you can go to generationshospicecare.com. Um, uh, again, we have our office in Missouri Valley, Iowa. It's, it's a, a short drive from Omaha, or you can just call us 712-642-4222. Um, I'll answer the phone or somebody else will, and uh, we'll happily give you whatever information you need. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Joshua. I'm Cami Carlisle. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.